shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Every single spring, that first day that I walk outside and I see that yellow dust all over my truck, I'm like, that is Satan's dandruff. It destroys me. I legitimately can't go outside for longer than three minutes because my eyes get swollen, my eyes get puffy, my nose gets congested, and I just simply can't breathe. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. When I started taking Claritin D about two months ago, I can finally get back outside and play pickleball again, which is what I love to do, but I couldn't do it because my allergies were so bad. Claritin D has legitimately allowed me to go outside again, ready to live life as if you don't have allergies it's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. All right, all right, all right, guys. I can't believe you did it. You found your way here. Welcome to the very first episode ever of my brand new podcast, Human Hope, with your host, Carlos Enrique Huitier Guzman, Archibald Cabello. Or you can call me Low Sweat or Los, whatever it is you call me. I don't care. I'm just glad that you are here to talk about hope. Oh my gosh. Are you not ready? Are you not desperate? For some hope, guys, we're going to have such a good time every single week. So let's just go, I mean, straight from Jump Street. Let's talk about how this thing is going to roll out, what is going to happen. What I need you to know is every single Thursday, there's going to be a brand new episode dropping here of the Human Hope Podcast. I'm going to be talking to some friends. I'm going to be talking to some people that aren't friends. I'm going to be talking to myself. I'm going to be talking to my kids. I'm going to be talking to you. Like there's no really rhyme or reason as to what these episodes are going to look like. I need you guys just to know. I mean, honestly, it's kind of like my socials. Like some days I talk about deep things. Some days I talk about light things. But at the end of the day, everything will be going through the funnel of hope. Because if there's one thing I know we all need on a daily basis, it's hope. We, I, it feels like everything's just so hopeless. But today's episode, I promise you, is just going to fuel you with so much hope. I am super excited to announce my guest. Uh, most of you, if not all of you, know who she is already. And I'll do that in just a second. But before we even get into that conversation, I want to talk about something that I feel like a lot of us are dealing with. And I actually talked about this on my Instagram like two days ago. You know, we are coming off the tail end of one of the most polarizing seasons ever. And, you know, I would say like as a country, but the truth is I ain't even just talking about a country, like as families, right? Like polarizing times as friends, polarizing times as siblings, as children, as parents, as grandchildren, as grandparents, you know, we're walking on eggshells in so many conversations right now. We're walking on eggshells around so many people that we love and care for. And the reason why we're walking on eggshells is because maybe, just maybe, we've screwed up. Maybe we have come across way more hindsight being 2020, way more aggressive than we ever would have wanted to. Like maybe our aggressiveness is the thing that we're thinking, man, like I don't know if they handled that in the way I wanted them to handle that. And so maybe you're actually seeing that you've done something wrong. Maybe the way you've reacted in 2020 and 2021 to people that you've loved, you're realizing deserves an apology from you to them. Now, now this is what I love about forgiveness and about apologizing is, we'll just talk about forgiveness for a second. Forgiveness isn't necessarily for 
the person you're forgiving, although it may free them in some way, shape, or form. What forgiveness actually does is free you from the chains. I ain't gonna stop preaching yet, but frees you from the chains of whatever it is you've been carrying against them, right? And so like forgiveness is so powerful because it frees us when we forgive somebody else. But I'm talking about what if it's you that has offended somebody else? What if it's you? How in the world do you forgive? How in the world do you ask for forgiveness? Now, I went down a little rabbit hole on my Insta story a few days ago talking specifically about like Bachelor Nation and how we're seeing all of these apologies. In a matter of like three weeks, we've seen tons of apologies from tons of either people on The Bachelor, Chris Harrison, who's, you know, the host of The Bachelor, contestants on The Bachelor, because they've said or done things that have offended other people. Now, what I want to sit with for just a second is the apology side, because when we apologize correctly, what that does is it accelerates healing in the relationship. And this is what I think we all need to do. I actually would love for you and me, and this is going to give you a little bit of hope, to find something that you need to apologize for. I don't care if this is a massive thing or if this is a tiny thing. There are things every single day that we can apologize for. And what I want you to do is to take that apology and run it through this filter that I actually saw. I'm going to pull it up on my laptop here. Somebody sent me in a DM. Actually, I'm not going to pull it up on my laptop. I'm going to pull it up on my phone. Somebody sent me in a DM how they teach their preschoolers to apologize. Now, remember, this is for preschoolers, but I feel like it is a great example for adults as well. What we normally do is we say, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? I'm sorry. And then we normally will wrap that up with like, because I promise I'm a good person. I promise that I didn't mean to do that. I promise that. And we defend ourselves. But instead of defending ourselves, what if we actually apologized and just did that, just apologize. This, a preschool teacher sent me and she has this hanging up in her preschool classroom, at least when they were able to meet. Okay, so this is what the sign says that's in the classroom. I hurt my friend's feelings. I can apologize. And here are the steps, ready? This is perfect. This is for preschoolers, but it's for us too. Number one, I am sorry for blank. Friends, you can fill in the blank. Two, it's wrong because blank. Oh my gosh, wait a second. We now are actually not only just apologizing, but admitting it was wrong for a reason. Very important. Number three, next time I will blank. Because there will be another time that we're presented with an opportunity to lose our freaking minds. And as the preschoolers learn, just take a step back and remember what number three is. And then number four, is there anything I can do? And actually, I would take that a step further and convince yourself that there is something you can do. And so to do it, that's going to be the action behind your intention. Just a little apology 101 from a preschool teacher that I feel like all of us can use to accelerate the healings that maybe, not maybe, that definitely we have messed up on and we screwed up on. Listen, I used this last night with my wife. Like I had to apologize to her for something. And I know that today you guys can use that as well when you apologize to somebody else. So again, really quickly, really simply, what is it that you do? You apologize. You say you're sorry for whatever it is. You say why it was wrong. Then you tell them next time what you're going to do instead of that. And then you ask them what you can do or you just do something for them. That's it. So here's a little homework before our hope-filled guest comes in. The homework is... What is something you can apologize for? Find it and then do it. All right, guys, hopefully that is going to propel you towards healing and hope. And that's what we're all about on the show. And now I can't wait to break forth the rhythm and the rhyme with my new favorite human being on planet Earth. Not only my new favorite human being on planet Earth, but over 550,000 other people's favorite human being on planet Earth. Friends, it was probably... October of 2020, when I got a DM from a woman that said, hey, Carlos, there's this Midwestern, well, I guess she's not Midwestern, Minnesotan mom that has this Instagram account. And it really reminds me a lot of what you do. Like she just tries to bring civility to hard conversations. And I was like, really? And you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of Instagram accounts. So I clicked over and she had like, I don't know, maybe 32,000 Instagram followers. Now, let's be honest. Like that's a lot for most people. That's a lot. And I thought at the time, 
you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to give her a follow. And I started following her. Her name's Sharon. Not only was she making me think, but she was making me laugh every single day. So then I started sharing about Sharon and I started seeing other people sharing about Sharon. And then I'll never forget. Next thing I looked, she had 60,000 followers. This was like a few weeks later. Then in like December, she had like 80,000 followers, then 90, then a hundred. Then when everything hit on January 6th and the country, well, it was as broken as I've ever seen it. I watched from January 6th, which is now, uh, this is two months ago, almost to the day. Sharon has gone from like 100,000 followers to 550,000 followers. The reason why it's happening is because she is, I believe, the voice that every single American talking about politics needs to listen to. She is the one. There are political commentators on CNN, on Fox News, on OAN, on all the MSNBC, on all the ones. And you know what? You can listen to them for entertainment, but if you want to listen to somebody talk to you about politics in a level-headed, fact-based, fun way, this is who we have been waiting for. Thank you, God, that you brought us, Sharon. So without further ado, guys, I know this is why you're here. Let's get to the nitty gritty. Let's get my friend Sharon up in here. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this heartfelt conversation from all of our favorite government teacher, Sharon says so. Here we go. Guys, I, I don't even know how to start this thing because this is the first one. So, like, I may have, like, a shtick that I say later, like, hey, welcome to Human Hope with Carlos. Like, I don't know. Sharon act actually asked me, like, what What are we going to talk about? And I was like, I, I have no idea because, like, you're the first one. And, you know, Sharon, I know, like, listen, not everybody knows who you are, but most everybody knows who you are. At least that follows me because I talk about you a lot. Welcome to the show, Sharon McMahon. Sharon, why don't you introduce yourselves to everybody that is listening to Human Hope? Thank you for having me. Thanks for inviting me. Honored to be your first, your first, yes. even though we have absolutely no topic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to just chat, actually. That's really um, I'm actually a former government and law teacher, and I have an Instagram account in which I share like nonpartisan government information. Yeah. You know, it has a little, little bit of like animals mixed in there, yeah. a little, um, little funny stuff. You know, it's not just like boring, boring charts and graphs and data. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny people when they when they talk about my account, they're like, "Yeah, the guy like talks about." like Black Lives Matter and racial reconciliation and also like the Robins in his front yard as I like document their journey in the spring. Like, I feel like people need a little bit of both when it comes to like the heavy hitting stuff. Yeah. I mean, it also gives them something to connect with you on, you know, yeah. like, oh, you know what? I love birds too. Yeah. I, really cool. You know what I mean? Like it just gives them a chance to connect with you. Yeah, no, I love it. So just so everybody knows, like I came across your account and I was trying to find, go back in my archives of my DM history or whatever, but it was like in November, like late November, somebody that follows, maybe a mutual person that you and I follow, Layla Palmer, said, hey, there's this mom in Minnesota. I don't know. Are you in Minnesota? Is that right? Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's this mom in Minnesota. And gosh, like the way you say things and the way she says things, you're both just so like loving with every side of whatever issue. Not enough people are paying attention to her. So like I logged on, I was like, wow, like, of course, like I went all in from like Jump Street and I'm like, okay, I am your new marketing agent. I am your new, you know, the, the, the one that is telling, you know, the planet about Sharon. But I knew the second I saw you, I knew that you needed to end up where you are today. And I actually on January 7th, and this is actually kind of fun. January 7th, I said, okay, I actually said, I took a screen capture today. On January 7th, I said, Sharon says so is literally the greatest gift to us during the season of politics a zero bias truth teller who teaches me daily. She will have half a million followers by June. Mark my words, a gift. I said by June. Now I need to apologize because it's not even the end of February yet. It's actually almost a month and a week since I wrote that. And serendipitously, I look at your account and you're at 497,000. So what I'm hoping is while we're recording this podcast, it rolls over to half a million. It's been fun. So before we get into like, you know, government and I got some governmental questions for you. Yeah. Can you say governmental? Is that, is that even yeah. a word? That's a word. Yeah. That's a word. Talk to us about Sharon in November, Sharon right now, 
and just the ride that you've been on, because it has been a ride. I mean, you, you can't say it hasn't been a ride. So it's, it's been a ride. Tell us about the fun that you've had and maybe sometimes the not so fun. I started just, you know, like in October, just started posting some little, you know, explainer videos about things like, here's how the electoral college works. Yeah. And, you know, I am a professional photographer and have always just posted stuff about my photography on my Instagram page. And, you know, but as a government teacher, I started noticing all of these you know, like what, uh, what is happening? That is not, that's not real. I don't know where did that even come from? Like that's not a thing. Where'd you get that information? That is not what the constitution says. So I just started noticing the proliferation of that on social media as everybody has. And because I have spent most of my adult life studying government, it was easy for me to just like make a couple little short videos about like this, that, and the other thing. So you know, like, I don't know, maybe within a couple weeks, I started getting phone calls from like radio stations and, you know, newspapers and things like that. It's a great example of when, you know, like you get mentioned in the right places. Yep. You have accounts that are bigger than yours saying like, hey, this account's really interesting to me. You know, the viral growth can happen. And, you know, before I've been on, I've been on Instagram for 10 years and yeah. grew to you know, whatever, like, 14,000 followers. You know what I mean? Then it's almost like everything just kind of clicks into place. You know what I mean? With like the right content at the right time with the right person and the right audiences, you can see this like huge growth trajectory. Anyway, it has been a very interesting journey. (laughs) Very interesting. What an interesting time. I would say it's almost all good. Sure. Almost all good. I have so little garbage. On my account, the kind of a shockingly small amount of garbage on my account, which I wouldn't expect for an account that talks about politics all day. Right, right. The vast majority of my audience, I bet you experience this too, Carlos. The vast majority of my audience is engaged, smart, kind, loving. They care about their neighbors. They, They want the world to be a better place. They're like, hey, how can I help? How can I make the world better? That's who my audience is. And that's truly a joy to work with on a daily basis. It's a joy. I love it. No, I, and you can tell it's a joy. You know, there's different kinds of accounts. I would say that people that follow me on Instagram, yes, I'm going to talk about hard things, but I'm also just kind of like going to, you know, drag my daughter's boyfriends around on sleds in my neighborhood and film on GoPros with drones above it, you know, as I'm, you know, trying to, you know, keep, you know, whatever, just kind of share. Whereas you, you are very specific as far as like every day you say, how can I help you? Like, how can I help you? And then your entire day on your feed as at least recently, like again, I didn't follow you before November, is you helping us. Do you feel like this is kind of what you want your account, your Instagram account to continue to be? How can I help you? Or do you have like some semblance of a, of a feeling of like, you know what, like maybe tomorrow Sharon says so family is, is actually going to go to the mall with me and my, uh, me and my kids as I go do, you know, like, like, is there any drifting towards that storyteller space? Or are you feeling pretty smug where you're at right now? <laughs> I don't like smug, Carlos. Oh no, sorry. Not smug. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, no, you know what? I, I, I always, I'm never going to say never. I'm never going to say yeah. like, hey, we're going on Disney vacation and I will not show you that. You know, yeah. like there's definitely, there's room to grow. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not going to yeah. say, no, we'll never do that. But I truly do, you know, like as a teacher, yeah. most, most teachers truly love an engaged group of students. Yeah. Like there's that when you go into being a teacher, you love an engaged group of students. And so to have a group of people every day who is like, hey, can you answer this? I don't know the answer to this. What are your thoughts about X or Y or Z? That is just like touches all, all the mm. hits all the notes in my teacher heart of like <laughs> what I love to, to do, you know? So yeah, I'm, I would never say never. I'm open, but I sure. really do love what I'm doing right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And you're, you're really a good teacher, you know? And again, I'm not a teacher per se. And so like, if I had to do what you do all day, every day, <laughs> like it was maybe two weeks ago, I actually tried to count and DM you like the screenshots that you took in a day. And I thought to myself, I don't know how in the world you do. do are you deleting your screenshots on a daily basis? Like, are you just filling up the iCloud with them? No, I, I, they, I literally have six, probably 60, 70, 80,000. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't delete them. I keep them forever because I might want to refer to them. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. No, no, I love yeah. that. 
Okay, so tell me this. Here we are, 2021. When this comes out, it's going to be March 4th, 2021. Why now? Like, like, why have people decided right now is the time where I'm going to be interested in government, in politics? Is it just like the perfect storm of social media, of, you know, news, of maybe caricatures in the political spectrum that maybe haven't been so caricature before? Like, why now? Like, what, why is it that everyone right now is like, hey, I not only like care a little bit about this stuff, but you're finding and I'm finding people want to know the details, the intricacies of how things are happening in government. What, what is it about this season and this time? Yeah, that's a great question. And it is really a kind of a perfect storm, to be honest. Mm. You can't point to just one factor where it's like, well, it's this person or this event. It is everything that has coalesced into, you know, yeah. a, a polar vortex of <laughs> or a hurricane of, you know, just people finding themselves so frustrated with mm. what they're seeing on social media. You know, like yeah. their entire Facebook feed is full of people arguing with each other. Yeah. They're so frustrated with political spin. You know, like they can't just turn on the news and just get some a factual summary of how this building lit on fire. It needs to be, you know, like there needs to be some kind of angle that yeah. makes you know what I mean? People are both, um, you know, they're either really, really fired up for change, like they're unhappy with how things have been going in this country. And they are mm -hmm. like, stuff needs to change now. Yeah. You know, it's almost kind of like similar to the civil rights movement in the 1960s, where it was like the catalyst for change is, you know, like happening right yeah. now. So there's a lot of motivation for change. And then there's also a lot of motivation pushing back against that change of like, no, I do not want that. And it's, it's almost like people trying to lean all of their body weight against a door of like, do yeah. not open this door. Because if this door is opened, who knows what is going to come flooding through. Yeah. So those forces at work against each other. And then when you mix in Twitter, Facebook, <laughs> Instagram, you know, like when you mix in the 24-hour news cycle, social media, that it has just created this perfect storm of like, I am either going to just bury my head in the sand and pretend that's, that this doesn't exist, right. which is kind of where a lot of people are, or I need to engage with it. And I yeah. want to try to engage with it. And my audience wants to engage with it in a healthy, respectful, productive manner. You know, yeah. like my account will never be Twitter. It's sure. never to be screw you, buddy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. I, I love that. I love that. Like the cut down that Sharon decided to use right now was screw you, buddy. Like, yeah, that that's, that's like the most like Minnesotan, like just <laughs> kind hearted, um, you know, rip that I've ever heard. <laughs> that was what came to mind. Okay. <laughs> Screw you, buddy. <laughs> Screw you, buddy. No, I love it. No, yeah, you're right. You're right. That, that's not what your account is ever, what, what it's ever going to be. No. And so that's, you know, like people who want to engage and learn and have that kind of like respectful discussion, that's yeah. who comes to my account. Yeah. Yeah. Hey there. I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything, that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these moments. Their stories are full of candor and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That, that you know, that is who, who comments in your account. I have found that, you know, as I try to navigate, you know, I, I've got a, you know, primarily, I mean, if I look at just my demographics on, on Instagram, it's like 81% female from 25 to 45. They all live kind of in middle America. And, and honestly, a lot of them are conservative, you know, white suburban moms. And when I started talking about and trying to educate on Black Lives Matter and a lot of racial reconciliation things, I was scared. Like, I was nervous. I was like, are they, are they going to want to stick around for this conversation? And unbeknownst to me, it, they not only stuck around, but they started telling their friends. And then, you know, I, I became a safe place. And I feel like you are a safe place for people to ask questions that they may feel are silly questions. You answer a lot of the questions 
over and over and over again. But, you know, you're a, a nice, patient teacher. As you've seen your, your profile grow on social media, I know you say it's been 99%, like so great, so kind. But how is it that you do handle maybe some people that are like coming at you publicly to attack you? Because you're also human, okay? Like, like we all know it's like, it's like Sharon says so is like, I mean, she's God's gift to like, you know, peace and patience and all these things. But you're also human. I'm sure you want to lash out. How do you handle it when the trolls come? Yeah, that's a great question. We've talked about this before too. Like, what are you yeah. supposed to do when somebody comes for you guns blazing and you're yeah. like, I'm just a person trying to answer government questions. <laughs> just the, I'm the wrong target. Right. <laughs> like, I ain't here for that. So yeah, it is hard to like to navigate that of like, what am I supposed to be doing? Yeah. And the big part that I have just like decided to go with is for, the first thing I'm going to do is walk away. If I feel like I want to engage in that conversation, I will come back later. Yeah. When I when that gut feeling of like Ur, has yeah. died down, because I don't think our best conversations happen from places of anger. Yeah. And as a human, I am subject to that, especially when somebody's insulting me. Yeah. So I try to walk away. My goal is always, and I do this so imperfectly, but mm. it's a practice that I think is useful for a lot of people is to try to listen to understand where they're coming from. And it's not possible with every single person. Some people truly are trolls. They truly are. They're not there to be, have a real conversation. They're just there because it's funny to them to post, you know, skank on your Instagram and like leave. You know what I mean? That's, it's not worth it to engage. But the idea of listening to understand is something that I feel like is missing in so much of political discourse Mm. in this of I'm not hearing things I like and so you're wrong and we're done talking you know what I mean like that is how so much of where we are right now in the public space I don't like what I'm hearing you're dead to me yeah totally (laughs) literally you're dead to me (laughs) so I try to listen to understand and when you realize that behind all of that bravado yeah it's always a story It's always a story. And you, as a stranger, are likely not privy to that story. And that person may not even realize where it's coming from. They may not be in touch with where is this deep-seated anger coming from in my life. They may not even be in touch with that. But it's really hard to hate people up close. Mm. It really is. It's hard to hate people up close much harder to hate your next door neighbor than it is to hate some theoretical group of people a thousand miles away. And the idea that if you, you know, spend one minute listening to what it is they have to say to you and ask them a question about it in a respectful way, if you can approach it from the perspective of interviewing, like that is a really interesting point. I hadn't thought about that. Like, where did you, where did you first hear about that? Or can you tell me more about how you arrived at that conclusion? And people also seem to think that listening to understand is going to somehow put you in a position of weakness. It is somehow going to obligate you to agree with them. It is going to somehow damage your own belief system. And in reality, our beliefs should stand up to scrutiny. They should stand up to you know, like having a conversation about those beliefs. Our beliefs should withstand that storm of inquiry. So, you know, like I said, I do this very imperfectly. I am not coming from a position of high horse, but that's kind of, that would be my ideal way to handle it. Yeah, I love that. You know, we have talked about that a couple of times. And and I know for me, you know, what you just said about, you have a really hard time hating somebody when they're up close. So- Whenever people do come at me online, I think it takes them aback because I always shoot them a video. I think I may have even told you this at one point. Yes. yes. I make a video of my face a one inch from my screen. And I'm like, hey, like, I just wanted to, I want you to hear it from me. I want you to see my eyes. We're, we're actually probably going for the same thing here. And inevitably, nine times out of 10, it just squashes whatever heightened emotion is there because you're right. When, when somebody is a human right in front of you, there is a little bit more hope when you see eye to eye, you know, and I'm not saying eye to eye on an issue. I'm just saying eye to freaking eye, right? Like just that close. I think that's something that more and more of us have to get to. You know, you talk a lot about how media will really 
focus on the extremes, the left extreme, the right extreme, but most people are sitting somewhere towards the middle. Talk a little bit about how, you know, maybe we're being tricked a little bit as to what the majority of America is thinking when the truth is most of America is probably thinking a lot more similarly than we think they are. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay, so think about a news story. Yeah. What's being reported in the news, politically and otherwise, are unusual things. That is what makes it newsworthy, right? right. It is not newsworthy to say Carlos ate popcorn on the camera <laughs> with his wife. Right. Like, that's not newsworthy. Do you know what I mean? Totally. When, doing actually is very common. It's what a lot of people do. There's nothing unusual about it. People sit on the couch and eat snacks every day, all day long, right? So you actually, that activity represents what most people are doing. But Mm. what is going to make the news is the dude riding a unicycle across a wire over the Grand Canyon. Because we're not doing that. Because we're not doing that. That's newsworthy. You're like, what now? Say what? Like, that's weird. That is so true in the political space as well. Like, the average person who's like, can we just get, like, some nice schools? And can we just be, like, safe (laughs) and and pay, like, a normal, reasonable amount of taxes? And can we just, like, not light our cities on fire? And can we just not have people dead in the streets? Like, is that too much to ask? You know what I mean? That is where... The vast majority of Americans are, but that is not newsworthy. Right. What's newsworthy are the people on the fringe extremes. And that's what makes it an interesting story to watch, right? Because it's like, why are we obsessed with podcasts about serial killers? We're there's so few of (laughs) us are serial killers, right? Like it we don't relate to it. We're like, what? He killed 17 people? You know what I mean? And so what makes it newsworthy is that it's extreme. And so yeah. we we then are led to believe, because this is then reinforced over and over and over and over and over, that this is what all Republicans think, or this is what all Democrats think. When in reality, we kind of all want very similar things, mm. and we just have different viewpoints of how to get there. Yeah, gosh. The end goals are super similar. Like we want yeah. peace and freedom and we want safety and health and happiness. Like we, we have similar goals mm. and we just have slightly different definitions of like, how do we get to the most freedom? How do we yeah. get the right? How do we get to peace? How do we get to safety? And what is a good amount of safety versus a good amount of freedom? You know what I mean? Like yeah. these are very nuanced conversations versus these extraordinary black and white, like some people, you know, like it's either communist China or anarchy. Right. You know what I mean? Like people think those are our only options. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not, that's not truth. The truth. It's so not the truth. So not the truth. Oh, I love that. No, that's so good. No, I, you know, I appreciate that. The, the nuance, you know, you actually talked about, um, was the word compromise maybe a couple weeks ago. <laughs> And it feels like such a four letter word. It's like, well, wait a second. Like I've got to, I can't compromise when the truth is that's actually the only way, right? Lean into that a little bit, because I feel like that's really important for people to hear that compromise isn't negative, that it, this isn't a negative thing. It could actually move us forward. As a society, as a, as a, you know, American, as the American public, we have come to believe that everything is a hill that we must die on. Mm. Everything is, you know, if we compromise on this, we are corrupt and we have no moral character and it's morally wrong to pay this amount in taxes versus that amount in taxes. We have come to believe that everything is a hill we must die on. Mm. And in reality, that mentality has gotten us to this place of complete quagmire of complete just inaction we can't do anything we can't get anything done both parties both sides are very much stuck in this idea of like it's my way or nothing it's my way or nothing it's my way or nothing well fine then it's nothing fine it's nothing like we are like never mind it's nothing 
And when in reality, if we were willing to make a small amount of compromise and then another small amount of compromise, small amount of compromise, we would actually find ourselves much, much farther down the road in five years than we would if we just are saying, never mind, it's nothing all day long, looking for the things to be perfectly in alignment. This is true in relationships, you know, like even a relationship with your kids or spouse. How well does all or nothing work for people on a daily basis? Absolutely. Absolutely not, not well at all. Yeah. You know what I mean? It actually doesn't work well at all. And, you know, I see at the root of all of this is pride. Yeah. That is wow. what is the root of all of this. Wow. That's what, at the, what is at the root of a lot of relationship strife? Like I'm unwilling to move from this position because I have decided this is the position I will take. This is yeah. the hill I will die on. And in reality, the vast majority of the time, unless we're talking about truly like truly a matter of conscience, like, no, actually, I'm not willing to murder. You know what I mean? Like there are, <laughs> are the moral imperatives here, you know, not willing to murder, to compromise. But what is underneath that is is pride. And that if I give an inch, I will lose yeah. my pride. Pride. And that yeah. willingness to cling to pride is often people's downfall in their personal relationships. And we are seeing the fruit of that in our current political system, the yeah. downfall of that bitter fruit of pride that has been planted. Listen, I want to start sh- shouting amen because listen, I'm a, I, I I preach sometimes in church and I, and I, you may have been accidentally preaching right there, but that there's people throwing their shoes at the stage right now at Sharon because that was that was a word that was so good. You know, it it is so true. I, I tell people all the time, like I love my wife, I love my marriage, but guess what? I don't agree with 100% of everything that she does, and, and she doesn't agree with 100% of everything that I. So guess what we have to do? We have to compromise in order to move forward. So why in the world, if I can't get a hundred percent in my marriage, how in the world do you ever expect me to get a hundred percent, you know, in a, in a political space or, you know, whatever it may be society and culture. It's, it's just so good. That's just such a, uh, such a good needed, needed word. Cause it really does. It leans into, you know, our relationships at home. I think, you know, when I think about my, my teenagers, you know, I've got three teenagers. I, I, I think, how old are your kids? I have three teenagers as well. And an eight year old. Okay. So you've got three teenagers and an eight-year-old and I am constantly compromising like all day long. Like it's just. 100%. <laughs> totally. And most of the time it's you being like, fine, I will drive you to that thing. Yeah. Fine. Totally. You know what I mean? Like if you will just stop arguing. But yeah. Can, sure. Yeah. You yeah. can say 1030. Okay. Yes. It's totally. No, it's, it's so good. Tell, tell me this. Speaking of family. I, I do share a lot about my family, and I, I know pr- probably some people are like, "Hey, you know, I'd love to know a little bit about the behind the scenes. I want I want them to peek behind the scenes a little bit of the teacher on Instagram." But tell us a little bit about your your relationship with your kids, and like, are you the fun parent? Is your husband the fun parent? Are you the the rule? Like, like what what's that kind of look like back there? I'm definitely you know like my husband Chris is the chill one. He's he like, okay, cool. I'll see you later. You know. <laughs> I am the more, you know, like rule enforcer, but yeah. also who is more willing to be silly and do fun, funny, fun things. Yeah. yeah. He's just more like laid back and like, you know, chill about things. Yes. So yes, we have a son who's in college now okay. and it's been really fun to sort of develop more of a, that kind of like adult relationship with him where yeah. he calls and texts and like wants to talk to me. Right. And it's, it's just fun to see him like becoming an adult Yeah, and, you know, he's really into investing in the stock market and screenshots of his portfolio and he'll call me when he gets some, some kind of win and (laughs) on this and that, and I made this amount of money today, you know, like he's just really, really into the stock market. Which, you know, looking back now, I can see how he's always been interested in that. He used okay. to look at the stock pages when he was 12 and like he was, he would follow a couple stocks. But anyway, it's just fun to see like what he's into. Yeah. Yeah. And just to be able to have that kind of more, you know, like as kids, and I'm sure you're experiencing this too, as they need less daily hands-on parenting, they become yeah. more independent from you, your, your relationship morphs and changes and you yeah. become 
of this like advisor or guide versus this like let me cook you some food and yeah i'm gonna go to bed um, you, you know what i'm talking about so it's fun to see that kind of developing in him i i love that no i you know same thing i've got i've got an 18 year old in college as well i've got a 17 year old who's a junior and then a 14 year old and it is you know i tell and i try to tell parents all the time because you know they'll send messages like oh my gosh it moves time moves so fast but i'm like enjoying every season you know i i think as a parent like if you go into a, a stage where you're like, oh, this is going to be miserable, they're teenagers. No, like, sure, it comes with its with its own bumps and bruises. But I don't know about you, but I'm loving the teenage phase of parenting my kids. I mean, here's what it's it's alternately terrifying and super gratifying, right? Yes. You know, like the decisions that teenagers make can have lifelong consequences. Absolutely. Um, Unlike the two-year-old whose decision to have a tantrum about a sippy cup is of no lasting consequence. Right. Teenagers are capable of making disastrous decisions. Absolutely. That's part of what is terrifying. You know, like when you send them off in a car and you are like, dear Lord, I might might need an entire bottle of wine or some Xanax or something. (laughs) Or both. Or both or (laughs) to to a facility or something. Whatever maybe. Yes, but it is so fun to see them becoming their own person. It's fun to have that real, like really interesting in-depth conversations about important topics and not yeah. just constantly be telling them like don't do that, do this, don't do that, do this, where's your homework, where's that, you know, like it's it's fun to see them have opinions about things and to be able to have real conversations. I enjoy it a lot. Absolutely. What well, well, tell me this, what do your teenagers feel about their mom's sudden rise in Instagramness, like, like, are they? T- tell me what what they're feeling. They, they, I know there's feelings, so I need to know what they are. <laughs> nothing will keep you humble. Speaking of pride, right. nothing will keep you humble like adolescent children, <laughs> where you're like, guess what? I'm gonna be at CNN tomorrow, and they're yeah. like, huh? <laughs> you know, like, oh, really? Okay. You know, like it's literally like kind of it. My my popularity on Instagram is alternately cringy of like, why are you doing? It? Yeah, sure, that makes sense. Why? Why? And also like just kind of like I don't I don't even watch your stories. It's not even <laughs> interesting. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I do. My college age son is is slightly more tolerant of me. Okay. Um, but he told me that he taps through all of my stories each day to see if there are any pictures of our dogs. Oh, you know, like, so that's what he's looking for. Like, are there any dog pictures? Yeah. No? Okay, cool. I love that. How about how about like celebrities that follow you that your kids think you're cool because they finally follow you or they've reposted you? Have you had any of those moments? <laughs> yeah, there have been a few where, you know, like somebody they've seen in a movie or something where yeah. they're like, but it's more like, why would they follow you? <laughs> <laughs> what I mean? Not, not like cool, <laughs> Why they follow you? I love that. That makes me laugh. Cringy and boring. <laughs> that is so refreshing to hear that it's just not my kids who roll their eyes. I, I, yeah, I've lost all coolness. It went from I went from hero to zero in no seconds flat. You know. And then your husband, Chris, I mean, I, he's kind of a lot. He's he's more along for the ride than I'm assuming your kids are. Right. He's seeing you. He's seeing you screen grab and you know, share and upload things all day long. You know, Yeah, I mean, he's he doesn't like to be on social media. He's very, yeah. very private, but he's very supportive. Yeah. He's always been one of those people who's like, whatever you want to do, I'm here for it. You know, and I'm very lucky in that way that he's very supportive. That's so good. Photography is is your career it's it's what you do i've gone on your your older instagram feeds and seen all the pictures of babies and all these amazing things and then now you know i mean i think we're all assuming that this is probably taking more time out of your day than your old business or your coaching or the other things and mm-hmm. so i mean is that something that you feel like you're starting to miss or are you know sharing like gosh like i really wish i could get back in the studio some more are you feeling like this is Actually, like I'm good. Like I'm, I'm okay. Maybe that was something that I'll do a little less often. But is this really, you know, as we're all assuming, replacing what you used to do? Mm-hmm. You know who I, what I miss about my old, you know, business venture being yeah. 
for is I miss my clients. I miss yeah. seeing them, hanging out with them. I had great clients. I was very busy. I was very blessed with an amazing client load. So that's what I miss is I miss seeing my clients, seeing my clients' kids, you know, things like that. Yeah. That said, this has, you know, 2020 has been a challenging year for everybody for a variety of reasons. But yeah. one of the gifts that 2020 gave me was the ability to have time mm. to step into something that I really feel is in alignment with my purpose. Yeah. And if I had not had that kind of forced pause on mm. my um I wouldn't I would have always I've always been such such a busy photographer so busy at my business that I absolutely would still be grinding it out shooting sessions editing sessions delivering my work all day every day and the notion that I would have time to just be like let me take time off of my business so I can try this other thing that would not have happened so here's one of the things that has been amazing about 2020 is it's allowed me time to step into something new and I truly been loving it. That's so, so refreshing. I mean, it has 2020 has forced all of us to take a deep breath and to look back. And I mean, I had to reinvent my business. I can no longer get on airplanes and go stand on stages to get a paycheck. Like I I have to figure out how to do things. And it has, it really did force me into having these loving conversations about polarizing issues. What I appreciate about you, what's different because a lot of times people will come to me and they're like, oh, you and Sharon says, I was like, well, Sharon, actually, she's she's not telling you what she necessarily believes in uh, like left or right kind of issues. Like I'm, I'm pretty blatant, you know, on my socials as far as like what I believe, what I think is good, what I think is bad. But I will invite other people into the discourse and they'll feel safe. Whereas you, on the other hand, I don't think you've ever said which way you lean one way or the other. Correct me if I'm wrong. No. Yeah. No, my goal is never to get people to think like me. Yeah. Because that is, I find that boring. Yeah. I would much rather have an interesting conversation with somebody who believes differently than me. That's way more interesting to be yeah. at than it is to be like having somebody repeat back what I also think. That's yeah. not interesting to my brain. Yeah. So my goal has never been like, you need to think the way I think. Yeah. Uh, my goal is to give people education so that they can form their own educated opinions. If I'm like, Carlos, tell me your opinion about differential equations. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? You, I've got you. Like, I, don't, I don't have an opinion because I don't know what that is. Or <laughs> was that something we talked about in high school? I don't know. You have no education on that. So you have no ability to form a well-educated opinion. Yeah. So if I say like, okay, let's talk about how campaigns are financed. Let's talk yeah. about campaign finance reform. If you're like, I don't know. I don't know how they're financed. Yeah. How are we supposed to have a legitimate conversation about that? Yeah. Until you actually have some education on how campaigns are financed, yeah. we have meaningful conversation. So my goal is not to convince people of the rightness of my opinions because mm. I believe facts exist outside of our political alignments. Right. Facts exist outside of who we voted for in a ballot booth. But my goal is to provide education so we can have those meaningful conversations. Yeah. So we can have those conversations that are going to move us forward. Because otherwise, if you don't actually have that kind of education, you are just parroting rhetoric that you've heard on the news. Absolutely. Parroting what your parents have told you or screen grabbing a headline and being like, see, but you don't really understand the depth and nuance of that issue. Yeah. That's the focus of my account. I don't, yeah. I don't think about making you think like me truly. I'd sure. actually have a conversation with somebody who doesn't think like me. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. No, it, you know, it is, it's, it's so good. The one thing that I get all the time from people is like, do your research. And then they throw me a, a headline that they have. They call that research, you know, like research is seeing a headline and, you know, and I'm like, I actually don't think that's research. Like, I, I feel like that, that may be the first step in research, but that's not necessarily, you know, what research really looks like, you know? <laughs> like, I need to like teach a workshop on how to quote unquote, do your research. Yes, that needs to be it. That that needs to be, you know, what what it is. Gosh, no, this has been so good. I do. Okay, so so let me let me get into like, this may not even be like a gover, gover, government question, yeah. but may, maybe it is. So like, I've got one. So I just watched the most recent, most recent, I don't, I don't know how many they are, but Britney Spears documentary. Mm-hmm. And so Britney is, you know, this was a New York Times put it out. 
And I'm a little confused, and you may or may not even know this, because again, I don't know if this has to do with government or not, but like the whole conservatorship, can you, what's that, how do I say that word? Conservatorship, yeah. Yeah, that, that thing. What, yeah. Can, can you explain what, the, do you know, can you explain what that is for, for the listening audience of Human Hope? <laughs> yeah. Conservatorship is where they, somebody goes to court and they have a concern about the ability of another adult to manage their own affairs. Yeah. Uh, specifically, you know, financially. Okay. And they ask the judge for authority to manage that person's affairs. And okay. you see it most commonly, most commonly in the cases of, say, um, adults who are developmentally disabled. Okay. Have a condition that um, don't, they're, they're legally an adult, but they're not able to do things like write checks and make investments and, you know, things like that. But you do occasionally see it in other circumstances. Brittany has certainly had a lot of controversy lately because yeah. her dad has had conservatorship over her for like, what, 12 years? Yes. And she doesn't want him as her mm. conservator anymore. And, you know, has been, has gone to court over and over and over. Like, can I get somebody else? Like, first of all, can I get rid of this conservatorship? Secondly, can I get somebody else? Mm. Can I get like a, a company like that's not my dad? Right. And so this whole like hashtag free Britney movement. Right. Very interesting because there's a lot of speculation that she is being mistreated by, yeah. you know, by this situation that she you know, I've read, and again, obviously, I can't independently verify this. So this is sure. just these articles that I've read that she has to account for every dollar that she has ever spent, including huh. like going to the Sonic drive-thru. She has to wow. then account for the $5 that she spent doing that. When she's an adult, uh -huh. and really there are a lot of adults that are a lot worse off than people. <laughs> right, so true. <laughs> There's a lot of adults. Britney is the standard that we have about 100 million. Yeah, <laughs> that needs, yeah. You know, I'm joking, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. if liberal people who, you know, who are completely incapacitated with addiction or whatever, like they don't have conservatorships. Yeah. What Britney, some of it is, you know, her incredible fame and also her incredible fortune that, yeah. you know, her, her dad worried that she sure. wouldn't spend it wisely yeah but yeah that's what that means okay. it's just having authority to deal with somebody's financial affairs yeah well obviously you know watching it you know watching the whole free britney movement and then obviously again that's something else that people can very easily see like oh my gosh like britney's an adult she has her own instagram account she has a boyfriend i think that she needs to be free whatever they mean but Watching this documentary, I was like, wow, this is actually way more complicated than I thought it was going to be. So thanks for clearing that up. Yes. You, yes. Before I order my free Britney bumper sticker and sweatshirt, <laughs> that's so good. First of all, just thank you so much. This has been, you're exactly who I wanted um, for my first, again, I, I, I'm, I think I asked you a little over a month ago to be on this and your life has just gone on a whirlwind ever since then. So for making time for me and my people, I, I really appreciate that. But I think a question, I'm going to try it on you. And then if it doesn't work on you, then I may not ask anybody else, uh, you know, but, but I feel like podcasts always have like, like this, this question that they like to ask at the end or whatever. And this podcast is called human hope because again, uh, you know, I've asked my, my Instagram audience, Hey, when you, when you digest my content, when you read my books, when you do these things, what do you feel at the end of it? And they always say hope, you know, I feel hope. And so I called it human hope. And I would like to know from you, like, what, what gives you hope? You know, it's February, late February, as we're recording this, 2021, and you're, you're teaching 490, let me check right here, 490, <laughs> we're still there, we're 497.775,000 people about American government and politics, but Sharon, like, what gives you hope for the rest of this year? Mm. You know, one of the things that gives me hope, I have many, many things, but yeah. just knowing this is not the worst it has ever mm. been. So good. We have absolutely had it worse. We have absolutely been in worse pandemics. We have been worse off politically. We have been worse off economically. Human beings are, are resilient creatures. Wow. And this country is a resilient country. Yeah. And 
being able to take back, to step back and take a broad look at the entirety of not just human history, but the history of the United States yeah. to look back and be like, we are going to get through this because we have done it before. The yeah. best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. The yeah. best predictor of how we're going to move forward into the future is how we've moved forward in the past. And so I know that our comeback is going to be greater than our setback. This is so not this is not a, a, a end of the line for us. This is a new yeah. beginning. I love our comeback. This is this is I'm going to put some uh, organ behind Sharon as she says <laughs> our comeback is going to be greater than our setback. Like like <laughs> that is a word from you to us. That's so good. So so here's something that you do that I love that I think is, again, part of your new business model. And I'd love for people on my accounts and listen to my podcast could jump in is you're doing this thing called government for grownups. Like you're actually teaching, like, like you're, 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 do you teach on Instagram, but this feels more like, and I can kind of tell when you talk about it, you get so giddy, you get giddier than you do when you talk about anything else. You're like, oh my gosh, like my class and look at my students, you call them students and all the things. And talk to us a little bit about maybe how people can find out about your government for grownups, what the heck that is and how they can get involved. Yeah. Well, by the time this comes out, I will have a website, Sharon McMahon. Yeah, let's go. Yes. Um, and there's all the details on that. But absent of that, you can also go to my Instagram bio and there's links in the bio. And okay. what I do is every month I have a topic. This month in February, the topic is uh, the Constitution. And I teach several live workshops. It's, all, it's the same workshop every time, but I do it several times during the month. Okay. And it's like a two-hour workshop about the constitution and it's like, what do you need to know? What, what are your rights? What's in it? What's not in it? How does it work? How is it written? What's the history of it? And I teach it in a way that is engaging. There's, you know, it's multimedia. It's not just me droning on. (laughs) And the goal is for it to be inherently useful to people and for people to feel more confident in their knowledge of how, what is actually in the constitution. Because we think we know. We think we know, right? Right. Right. it's just like a bunch of rights and we think that's what it is my i had right. to memorize the what is the preamble part of the constitution is that right like is that okay okay i still have that room i remember that from whatever grade that was in yes um in order to form a more perfect union, perfect union yes. establish justice and yes 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 yes, yes every month has a different topic and it's just they're fun you know we hang out afterwards it's just a great way to get a little bit of a deeper dive into a topic more, with more time than I have on Instagram. You know Got what it. I mean? Got it. Yeah, I love it. I That's, really okay. And so people can go to your website and they yeah. can they can find that information out. By the time this comes out, you will have a website. Um what was the, what was the little song when we I am assuming we're around the same age since our kids are about the same age, but uh, there was like a Saturday morning cartoon with a little bill dude that would walk around and like what what was that? I'm just a bill. Yes, yeah. I'm only a bill. And I'm sitting here on Capitol Hill. That's with- it. That one. Mm-hmm. Yes. What? But what was that on? Was that? Was oh, that? Schoolhouse um. Schoolhouse Rock. Oh, Schoolhouse Rock. That's what it was. It was Schoolhouse Rock. Yep. And and you you probably loved that. You probably remember oh. memorize every word of that thing. Oh, absolutely. I mean, as a government teacher, I showed it every <laughs> ad, ad nauseum. Right. <laughs> you know, three hundred fifty thousand times. Yes. I love that. No, I love that. Gosh, I, we're running out of time. But when you're teaching these government classes and people like me are watching it. I need to know, it's not going to embarrass me, but I need to know at what level of grade school are you teaching these adults? <laughs> no, you know, here's the thing. I like to try to make sure that everybody can yeah. leave class okay. feeling like they really learned something. Yeah. So it's not, it's not a class for first graders. Sure. You know I, mean? I respect people's intelligence, yeah. but I also don't make a lot of assumptions. This is not... A, a you know a grad school level understanding of of constitutional law that you need to engage in these classes. Yeah. So my goal is for all people, all adults who are interested in learning, you will get something out of it. Even if you feel like I have a pretty good understanding of how this works, I want everybody to leave feeling like, huh, I did not know that. That is interesting. Like, there's mistakes in the Constitution. Wow, really? Like they misspelled the state of Pennsylvania. Oh. You know, like there's. Little, little things like that, you know, like little tidbits are fun to learn too. Like little. Yeah. Yeah. That is so good. Sharon, thank you. This was amazing. The bar has been set high. (laughs) And so I just appreciate who you are 
and what you are about. So thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. What did I say? Oh, that was so good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Sharon. Friends, if you guys wouldn't mind, head over to Instagram at Sharon Says So and let her know that you enjoyed her interview, that you were filled with hope, hope infused into your ethos because of what she had to say. We need more of Sharon in our lives. Uh, She is what I like to call a hope dealer. And hopefully you guys as well will become hope dealers the more we hang out together. This is it, guys. This is this is the thing. We're going to be doing this every single week. I'll be back next Thursday as well. But I want to tell you guys something that you may not know about the podcast as well. I'm not just like solo on this journey. No, I'm actually joining, not joining. I'm a part of my dear friend, Annie F. Downs Podcast Network, which is called the That Sounds Fun network. And the reason why I was I was like so about joining her network is A, she's a friend and I trust her with everything inside of my heart. But B, man, life out here is rough for us solopreneurs. Like, I, I mean, I'm an author, I'm an entrepreneur, like I do everything on my own. And so I love being a part of a team and I don't really necessarily get to be part of a team on a weekly basis. But now I've got this family of podcasts. I think she she calls it like a carnival of podcasts. There's all kinds of incredible, incredible podcasts that are on the network. And I'm just honestly honored that she would trust me to be another voice on her network. So, you know, go listen to Annie's podcast. I'm actually on her podcast today. That sounds fun. So you can go listen to that as well. Check out all of my new podcast friends on the That Sounds Fun network. And yeah, that's it. So what do you need to do? I think this is what I'm supposed to tell you to do. This is what you're supposed to do at the end of please subscribe, subscribe. Like that's like the biggest thing, like subscribe. Can you guys please like right now, if you're hearing my voice, just hit the little subscribe button. What that does is it makes sure you don't miss an episode of mine, but also if you could rate and review, do all the things that will help elevate this in the search engines when it comes to people looking for podcasts about hope. Your reviews and your ratings really help. If you think it's a five-star review, please put five stars. If you think it's a one-star review, please put five stars. You get it, okay? You know what I'm saying. And that is it, friends. This is going to be a fun journey. We got more to come, but I just want to say I'm honored and grateful that you would trust me with a little bit of hope in your life. Mm -hmm.